Welcome to the Faith for All podcast. This week, we're listening to a sermon given by Pastor Dana O'Brien about living the Lord's Prayer. We hope this message is inspirational for you. As long as you're standing, you might as well stay standing for the readings. We have two of them today. The first one is from Paul's letter to the Romans, 7th chapter, beginning at the 15th verse. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very things that I hate. Now, if I do not do what I want, I agree that the law is good, but in fact, it is no longer I do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. And our second reading from Matthew. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. So he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and agitated. Then he said to them, I am deeply grieved even to death. Remain here and stay awake with me. And then going a little further, he threw himself on the ground and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and he said to Peter, so could you not stay awake with me just one hour? Stay awake and pray that you do not come into the time of trial and temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Please be seated. You can tell it's going to be a fun sermon based on those two readings, can't you? Okay. It is the fifth Sunday in Lent, and therefore it is our fifth, and as I said, our last week of exploring the petitions in the Lord's Prayer. I know, I know there's so much more we could say about this, but next week, as I said before, is Palm Passion Sunday, so we're going to finish up as much as we can today. And I hope, I, I hope that as we've been moving through this, this prayer, we've all seen that really this is just so much more than a prayer that we recite, right? It's so much more than something we say on, on Sundays or something we, we say even more often. It is a prayer that we live, a prayer that we live. As we, as we noted early on, I think like the first week, five weeks ago, the first three petitions of this prayer tell us how to love God with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind. And the last three help us love our neighbors as ourselves. And so, so when we internalize this prayer, we also internalize what it means to live in this world as followers of Jesus. Okay? It's not something we just recite, it's something we live. Now, the petition that we're looking at today, and lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil, is actually, it's actually the last petition of the prayer. And you can see it there in Matthew and Luke's gospel. In fact, Luke doesn't even have the, the last line. Um, the last part of the prayer that we normally play, pray in the Protestant faith, and Catholics don't usually um, pray this part, which is why when you're praying with Catholics, you're the only one talking at the end. Um, it's not included in the oldest manuscripts. It was added a bit later, but it wasn't added all that much later because by the time we get to the Didache, which was written, we think, just at the beginning of the second century, so right around 100, 120 AD, um, this phrase, or something like this phrase, was already in there. So, just like last week, before we actually jump into the petition itself, I again want to point out this little word and. And you know, when you say it, either you, you sometimes we skip it, and we certainly don't think about it much, but, but what it does, it shows up right in the beginning of the petition, and it connects the phrase about temptation to the phrase of forgiveness that we just talked about, right? And you guys, that makes, unfortunately, that makes lots of sense. 
Because in this petition, we're asking for God to lead us away from temptation. But that's closely connected to asking God for forgiveness for the many times we don't follow when God is leading us away and we actually fall into temptation. So this phrase, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, as I've gotten through this, they've gotten more and more complicated. And this is probably the most complicated of all the petitions in the Lord's Prayer. And that's primarily because the Greek word, which we translate as temptation when we, when we say the prayer, also means to test or it means a trial, okay? And those two words do not have the same negative connotation in English that the word temptation does. And you can't tell which word is actually being used. It, it stems entirely from the context. So depending on the translation of the Bible you read, you're gonna get different, different words translated from the same Greek word. And that leads to some really nuanced theology about those differences, which we are not. I mean, I know you're probably jumping inside. Yeah, let's talk about nuanced theology. No, we're not going to do that today. Instead, we're going to look at four really important teachings that we can draw from this petition. First, and most importantly, if this is the only thing you remember, that's fine. The heart of this petition is found in the first words. Don't get past the third word. And lead us. Lead us. We're asking God to lead us in the way God wants us to go. We know. We know that God loves us. We know that God wants only the best for us. And so we trust that God will lead us in paths that are good for us, right? That bring us deeper into a relationship with God, that, that give us the abundant life God wants for all of God's children. And this, okay, so remember, we're always, we, we start at the beginning and then we move through the prayer, but we are always going back to that beginning, that beginning of the prayer. Because when we ask God to lead us in the paths that God wants to take us on, we're really saying, lead us in the paths that correspond to your will, God. Lead us in places where God's kingdom is breaking through. And so again, we're going back to the first part of the prayer. Now, one easy way to help us remember what's really important here, we're going to change the prayer just a little bit. And, and I, I didn't come up with this myself. It, a couple of commentators that I read this week, one of them being the guy, the video that we're watching in the middle of the week, we add a comma after the word lead us, okay? So instead of reading lead us not in temptation, into temptation, we, we, we read it this way and we say it this way. Lead us not into temptation. The little change helps me understand the request very differently, and I hope it helps you to do that as well. It, it takes our focus and places it not on the whole sentence about temptation, but just on that first part, lead us, lead us, right? It's not so much as to where God is leading us, but simply the fact that God is leading us, that we are putting our lives in God's hands as God guides us. Now, so we're, and from now on, you guys get used to this because that's the way we're gonna pray it. Um, second, we ask God to lead us toward the good and away from temptations. Away, and, and this is, it would be funny if it weren't so true. We ask God to lead us away from the things that we know aren't good for us, but we seem to have a natural tendency to gravitate toward. It's like we're a piece of metal and, and our temptations are a magnet. It doesn't matter how you try and get around them. You always get sucked right in. So we implicitly ask God, when we ask God to lead us away from these things, we also implicitly request God to help us deal with whatever temptations come our way. Because we know this. We all know this. We will all experience temptations in our lives. There is absolutely no getting around it. Temptations are simply a part of our human condition. 
There's the minor ones that we run into every day, you know, eating too much of our favorite dessert, binge watching movies or surfing social media instead of doing the stuff that we should actually do, like, you know, work, stuff like that. Um, and then there are really big ones, the, the really big ones, the ones that, that we know where we're taking actions that we know are not only just morally wrong, but also really damaging to us and others of God's children. And so we recognize our weakness. And we know that we're going to be tempted in big and little ways. And so we're praying for God to help us, for God to give us the strength and the wisdom to hopefully not give in. And then for God's forgiveness on those times when we give in anyway. Here's the cool thing. We can pray this petition in the certain knowledge that God both empathizes with our situation and is ready to help us. Remember, Jesus experienced the same temptations we do, right? But Jesus never gave in. And then this is the one, this is one of the amazing things that I learned at each time we explored a different petition of this prayer. First, Jesus gives us the prayer, which tells us how to live as disciples as we internalize it. And then, just to make sure we get it, Jesus' own life shows us how to live each of these petitions. So here, Jesus tells us how to pray for God to lead us, notably to lead us away from temptations, and then we see him living that out in his own life, right? We remember that before even Jesus even started his ministry, he was tempted by the devil, then, and throughout his life, he was continually tempted. You know, people were trying to get him mad, they were trying to test him, but he, but he never gave in. And then the biggest temptation of all is what we're going to be focusing on as we move into Holy Week, um, that temptation in the garden. You know, how... How easy it would be, how tempting it would be, when, as I was reading earlier, for Jesus to just say, I've had it. For him to just walk away and avoid all the suffering that he knew was coming. But he didn't. He didn't give in to that temptation. He didn't give in to any of the other ones. And so he shows us by his actions how we can rely on God and scripture and withstand temptation as well. We don't do it quite as well as he did. Max Lucado illustrates this petition with a story. It's kind of a cute little story about a father and a son. They're supposed to be walking on ice. I couldn't find any stories with, with pictures with dads and kids walking on ice. So yeah, they're actually skating. I just cut off the skates on the bottom. Anyway, the story of a father and his little boy walking on an icy street, okay? The father cautions his son to be careful. Be careful because, but the boy is, is too anxious. He's too excited to slow down. So he hits the first patch of ice and down he goes, right on his rear end. His father comes running up to help him. The boy apologizes. He's a really well-mannered kid. The boy apologizes for ignoring his father's warning and then holding tightly to his father's hands, he looks up and he says, Dad, Dad, keep me from the slippery spots. Don't let me fall again. Sometimes we disregard God's leading and we end up falling, right? And that little boy's plea to his father becomes ours as well. Father, don't let me fall again. Don't let me give in again. And I, don't, I can't speak to any of you out there, but unlike that little boy in the story, I fall all the time. I fall over and over and over again. Sometimes I fall on the same patch of ice. Sometimes I find a new patch of ice to fall on. The key is that, that, that we all fall. And sometimes I feel like those, those disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, the ones where the, the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak, or Paul when he was writing to the Romans that I read earlier. You know, I know the right thing to do. I do. I really do know it. I just can't seem to do it. So it's really comforting. It's really comforting to know that when we deal with the temptations of this life, God walks with us. God leads us in the way God wants us to go. God provides a way out when we're confronted with temptation. And God is, stands ready with mercy and grace to pick us up when we fall and we start all over again. Third, when God raised Jesus from the dead, God delivered the ultimate victory over sin, 
and death and evil. And so even though we're not there yet, and we know this, we've talked about this all the time, we're, we're in those in-between times and we, we know that this world is still filled with brokenness and, and evil. They all remain in our world. But because, because of what God has already done, we can confidently pray for God to deliver us from evil, knowing that our future is secure. Now, the Greek word we translate as evil in Matthew and Luke's gospel um, can also be translated as the evil one. And that's how you often see it if you look at translations of Matthew uh, 6.13, which is the Lord's Prayer that we've been focusing on. Um, and it's how some people actually recite the Lord's Prayer, say, deliver us from the evil one or rescue us from the evil one. But regardless of whether we see you know, evil as Satan or the devil, a literal spiritual being, or whether we see it as the personification of the dark side of humanity that lives in all of us, there is no denying, I mean, nobody can deny that there is evil in our world. We see it individually, we see it corporately, the evil that is in all of us. And remember, um, just like the rest of this prayer, this petition is a corporate prayer. Okay, it speaks of, of delivering us from evil and, and leading us away from temptation. So we're praying for ourselves and for others in this world. Even, we're even praying for the world itself, which, which is impacted by our, our evil. I mean, think of, all you have to do is think about climate change. So we see evil all around us. We see it when we look at the pictures of Mariupol, Ukraine, and the ones we saw this week. You know, there's nothing left. I mean, the whole, the whole land is, is just, the whole town, city is completely devastated. Um, we see it in the signing of the recent Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act, right? Um, it, that act, which was just signed, I think, last week or the week before, makes lynching a federal hate crime. But, but you know what it does? It reminds us of the unspeakable things we human beings have the capacity to do to each other. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we didn't have to have an anti-lynching act? But we do, because of what we're capable of doing it. And we see it every single Holy Week as we walk with Jesus on his journey to the cross. And for those of you who are staying after worship today to watch the movie, The Passion of the Christ, you will see the horror of Jesus' suffering and death in a way you may have never thought of it before. Um, yeah. God, deliver us from the evil in our world. God, deliver us from the evil in ourselves. Finally, as it is with all the other petitions of the Lord's Prayer, and we've talked about this over and over again, when we pray for God to do something, we don't just sit there and wait for God to do it. We also commit to act so that we can help make whatever it is we're praying for a reality. And no, I'm not going to show the, the, the picture of the Pope, which is what I've always shown. In prior petitions, we've prayed to God to partner, what, to bring in pieces of God's kingdom to earth, to submit our will to God's will, to share what we have so that everyone has the bread that they need for today and, last week, to forgive others just as God forgives us. In this petition, when we pray for God to lead us, guys, we also have to commit to follow where God is leading, right? Doesn't do any good to pray for God to lead us if we're not going to follow. And we know. We know that God is always leading us in good paths and paths, that, as I said, deepen our relationship with God and lead us to the abundant life. The real question is, are we following, right? Are we following or is God out there by himself and we're, you know, kind of wandering all over the place? When we pray this petition, we're committing. We're saying, yeah, God, I'm going to do my best to follow you. We're also committing to, to participate in God's attempt to lead us away from temptation. We're trying to, we're committing to minimize the likelihood of running into temptations or being overcome by evil, as, as well as doing all we can to protect others from the world's evil. We're committing, for example, to become more aware of our own weaknesses, right? Of the, of the temptations that we're more susceptible to. We're all susceptible to, to different, 
different kinds of, of temptations. You know, is it, is it food? Is it liquor? Is it sex? Is it drugs? Is it gossip? Is it, is it violence? What, whatever it is, so that we, we, need to, we need to know it so that we can take steps to avoid situations and people that may lead us down that dangerous path. And we're committing to being honest with our community, right? To, to, to tell people about our flaws and weaknesses and seek their help rather than keeping it quiet and thinking we can go it alone. For the last five weeks, you guys, we've seen how this prayer of Jesus not only reflects his teachings, but also his life. And we learned how saying this prayer and really understanding and living out what it means can transform our lives as well. When we, just, when, when, we, when we don't just recite it, but when we live it out as well, we become better disciples of Jesus and we become more of the people that God calls us to be. So I'm hoping that we will all continue to say this prayer daily, maybe not three times a day as I encouraged all of us to do during Lent, but still, still daily. And that when we say it, we both reflect on its meaning in our own lives and we periodically pause to listen to God speak to us. Because we know, you guys, we know this. Prayer is a two-way street. We don't just say what we want and then leave. We say, and then we listen to God. And that's usually where the really important stuff happens, when we listen to God. Now, I don't have any more homework for today, but as I alluded to before, I'm going to tweak the Lord's Prayer just a bit. And I'm going to do this so that we can, we can remember what it is we've learned. So from now on, when we say this prayer in worship, we're going we're gonna to do two things that we don't usually do. We're going to emphasize the words that I've put all in caps, and that's the, the thine, not the mine words, so we remember whose will we're following and whose kingdom we're talking about and whose power and glory it is. It's not mine. It's thine. And we're going to read it with that little comma after the lead us. Okay, so, so let's stand and let's try it. This is a practice because it's going it's to be like this forever. So, so pray with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And the people of God said, Amen, Amen people of God. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you're able to bring some of these concepts into your life. Come back next week for another episode of Faith for All. Faith for All was created by Cross of Glory Church. If you'd like more information on Cross of Glory, please visit our webpage at crossofglory.com where you can learn more about the church, see our upcoming events, and watch previous services and sermons. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Everyone, and we do mean everyone, is welcome to join us at 9.30 a.m. each Sunday morning for worship on our website, Facebook, YouTube, or in person at 14719 West 163rd Street, Homer Glen, Illinois. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends, family, and anyone else you can think of about it. Faith for All is available on Podbean, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, or wherever else you find podcasts. Todd Mazera created our original music. John Uzardo engineered the sound. Jeff Wanderson handled the production duties. And I'm your friend and humble announcer, Andrew Morin. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.